You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. On this episode, we're going to be breaking down the Auburn versus Kentucky game in Rupp Arena round two for the 2019-2020 season. And sadly, your Auburn Tigers fall to the Kentucky Wildcats on the road by the score of 73-66. to The Tigers record now stands at 24-5 and on the year with an SEC record of 11-5. and We're going to break down all the action and the storylines from the games and do that. I brought in my friend and co-host, Drew Hooper. Drew, we we narrowly were able to fight for an opportunity to play for first place in SEC. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not like tore up that we're not me first place. Like yeah. it, it'd be nice to win it, but uh, I think this game showed Auburn fans a little bit more than they were expecting to. Yes, definitely so. And so I think there's a d- lot of ways you can slice this game. There's a lot of ugly uh glaring things that we've been talking about all season that Auburn could have done to secure the win uh but there's also some things to take away from this game that I think are encouraging and we're going to try to make sense of all that tonight here but the big storyline coming out of this is is that Kentucky has secured first place there's no way now that Auburn can fight for that and I think honestly as you already kind of brought up it takes a little bit of the heat off Auburn and if we remember last season once the you know, the regular season championship was out of reach. That's when Auburn kind of kicked it up a notch. It's almost like once the pressure comes off them, they play a little bit more loose and actually within themselves. Do you think we might see a little bit of that for this season? I think that Auburn's biggest hurdle right now is that they they play to their competition and they get up for big games like Kentucky. And even the second half of the Tennessee game, they've gotten up for the LSU game and all of that. Uh, I th- I don't know it, how the A and M game or the Tex or the Tennessee game is going to go, but I think this gave us encouraging signs for how the tournament play will probably go. Yeah, and that's the thing here is I think Auburn, with all its offensive struggles that it's had uh, in SEC play, especially this season, um, they could have walked into Rupp Arena, you know, hit a wall and just laid down and looked pathetic, but they didn't. I think tonight that they showed Kentucky once again that, yeah, you you may still beat us, but we are your equal in the SEC. I mean, both teams split with each other this this year. One team wins at home, the other wins at home. Um, so, Drew, I know it's, it's harder to make this judgment uh, based off of, of a loss that we're just reacting to right now, but if you really had to, like, know just put a pin on it and say this is the best team in the sec would you say it's auburn or kentucky uh i think this game on kentucky's home court showed me the way auburn played and in the second half did not shoot well at all like were atrocious in the second half 
played decent defense, but were atrocious in the second half. Uh, I mean, I would go as far to say I would not be shocked if this Auburn team goes and wins the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think, I, think I, I just think they showed that they get up for the big games, and while that's annoying as all get out, you should get up for every game. I, I think they are uh, they will go in trying to prove something, and yeah. I, I believe that's going to carry them. There's some things that need to be tweaked with how they play, but ultimately, I, I do think Auburn is probably one of the more talented teams as far as who can who can make a run the sec tournament who can make a run in the ncaa tournament it's it may be hard to see coming off a loss but i was far more encouraged coming out this game than i was the old miss game absolutely i think we're both sitting on and i i would say for the most part the auburn family is sitting in a very comfortable place right now because of what we've seen happen in Rupp Arena. And just to kind of give you a little bit more facts in the history of this, if I have my numbers right, this is 18 straight losses at Rupp Arena. And I think that dates back to 1988. Drew, do you think they made some deal with the devil back then? Because this, as much as Bruce has knocked down all the old bad streaks of, we haven't won here in so long, there so long, this feels like it's the last hurdle for him to kind of really solidify himself as just wiping the slate clean for Auburn I mean what's do you think that'll ever happen I do I I, I think it'll happen and I think it's probably not going to be a close game I think the first the next win that Auburn gets in Rupp Arena will probably be a walloping of Kentucky I don't know when it's going to be but it just feels like it's due yeah to just run off on them because you look at the rest of the SEC so far like over the past three years we've run off on every team in the SEC besides Kentucky and I I think it's just due um, for us to go in with uh, just that firepower mentality and who knows it may be next year uh, that we are able to finally get that win at Rupp but as right now it is the elusive um, title I guess for lack of a better term that this Auburn's Auburn basketball program under Bruce Pearl still needs to obtain. It is that last peak that Bruce needs to uh, climb at this point, it feels like, if he hasn't done enough already. I mean, I guess going to a Final Four is good enough for the first time in Auburn history, but, uh, you know, there are always those mountains that you'll still have to climb. Let's talk a little bit more about the game in detail here. I'll just give you, as we always do, a little bit of how the game went for those of you who weren't able to watch or listen. Uh, In the first half, Auburn actually got out to a very quick lead via the three-pointer, via D'Angelo Purifoy, basically. being Kentucky at home, home court advantage, they fought back and were able to secure a lead going into the uh, first into the first half. The second half coming out, Auburn in really the entire second half tried their best to fight back to reclaim a lead, but they never could get as close as two points. Two or three points is where they kept getting to, and then Kentucky would pull away. And eventually, Kentucky does win at the very end of this thing. It's a very very strong battle and a very close game here and that's the thing that impressed me most drew is how evenly matched these two teams were and if you look at them how they stack up to each other you would just look at kentucky and say i mean there's no way that auburn can compete compete with kentucky with players like hagans and richards and maxi and i'll even throw ej montgomery in, in there even though he's we're glad he's not here at auburn but you really i think if you were to walk away from here and looking at two giants of the sec that just went to war tonight yeah it, it definitely was one of those that you you look at the star rating and you're like well like auburn really doesn't match up but it just goes to show like the coaching staff puts together a roster based off of character and 
quality and develops them in a way that fits the Auburn style and is uniquely perfect for the way we play. Yeah, it's been frustrating at times this year, but I think you saw the final product last year of what a team can be whenever they sit in this program for two, three, four years. It it really gets to the point where you can hit on all cylinders. And I'm a big fan of the the guy that stays two to three years. Yeah, we got Okoro probably leaving this year. Sharif Cooper will probably leave next year. That's just the way the cookie crumbles in basketball sometimes. But ultimately seeing the guys come through this program, Samir and Javon and Anthony and Austin, and seeing how they develop and the guys last year as well, like it, it's just fun to sit back and watch uh, how we match up against these teams that are playing a different type of style like Kentucky, who relies mostly on underclassmen. Yeah, it really did have the field too in Rupp Arena. You know, it's one thing for Kentucky to come to Auburn and then feel like equals, but for Auburn to go into Rupp, and for the fans to come away from Kentucky going, that was a close one, not like it was going to be an upset, but we could have legitimately lost to a good team here. Uh, so it does feel like the tide, oh gosh, that's a bad word. The uh, winds of change have come between Auburn and Kentucky, and hopefully it remains that way for a long time because we're going to have some really good basketball on our hands going forward. I'll tell you what, what wasn't good, though, Drew was the SEC officiating tonight. And I think we as Auburn fans and Kentucky fans can agree on that tonight. Now, of course, we're going to gripe with our orange and blue glasses on, but let's talk about them refs. Share with me your feelings, your frustrations, what's on your mind. I, you, just, you just want consistency. And I, I think we've been consistent in our consistency all mm-hmm. year and saying that both teams have gotten screwed out of calls Uh most of the games and it's just you hate to see it because they're they're putting an impact on the game that they're not meant to have and you saw Cal comment on it if you're watching watching the game on CBS broadcast you saw Tessator commenting on it from the from his point of view as well there there's just not a lot of consistency as Cal said like we're preparing for a boxing match and that's not what basketball is you want to see good physical basketball let them play a little bit but it's often been for both teams, not just Auburn, because I'm trying to be unbiased here. Like both teams have tried to play in a system of where you're the target is always moving. Right. And that's not that's not fair to the kids. Like right. we've seen it seen the problem grow worse in the NBA and then be then become increasingly more vocal about it this year. And it's becoming a bigger issue in college. The thing is you can't really say anything in college about it. Uh, you don't have the money to sit around or the time to get suspended because you speak out about bad officiating. And so really until there's some accountability, I think we're stuck in the pattern that we're in. Yeah. It's a very frustrating pattern to be in because I mean, as, as you said at the beginning, you shouldn't affect the flow and the play of the game. I'm thinking to a couple of instances here, one for Auburn, one for Kentucky. In the first half, there was like three fouls called down low, and uh, I think it was like the 10-minute mark or so of the first half against Auburn, and then they quickly had to kind of give Kentucky some fouls if you want to get into conspiracies and things like that. And then there was a point at the uh, middle of the second half where Auburn was kind of trying to make a push to get back into this thing or within one or two points. And they were getting a lot of fouls called and they were quickly in the bonus play. So there were times tonight, I think for those that want to put the tinfoil hats on, you could have said, Hey, they were favoring Kentucky, but there was also those moments where it looked like they were really watching for Kentucky. And I don't know if that's because, I mean, let's be honest, Bruce Pearl, boy, I don't know how the man hasn't had uh 
50 strokes during his time here at Auburn. He took his jacket off tonight. That's usually a sign that he's lost it with the conduct uh, the uh, the uh, referees there. So, uh, you know, the frustration goes all the way around to coaches, to players, to announcers with trying to figure out how to how to play and how to call a game when you're having to account for the referees. Uh, so what like type of accountability can there be, Drew? I mean, the, the thing is, they're not technically SEC refs. They're contracted out. Um, it's not like football where, like, you have an SEC crew, you have a Big Ten crew, yada, yada. These are all contracted out guys. Probably most of them only ref SEC games. But, I mean, in reality, they're technically not SEC refs. It, you you got to – there has to be fines. There has to be suspensions. There has to be reviews of how you – officiate i mean i know that after the game they all get a dvd and are supposed to watch it and there's normally a sheet of these are the calls that were borderline these are calls that were missed these are the calls that um you all did well on this that and the other like basically a little review and it it just seems like yeah it's become status quo for so many years And, and i think it's just the point of it's a lot of referees now aren't viewing it as an art or a craft and taking it as seriously. Yeah. It's a paycheck and it's a very good paycheck. And I I think until just like in any job until there is a standard set and kept. So the standards there, it's just not kept until it's kept. I mean, you're going to consistently have these problems. Yeah. And it's going to continue to uh, frustrate us as Auburn fans, but the SEC and and college basketball as a whole, we can keep extrapolating because it affects everybody. And at some point something has to be done, but obviously we're not going to fix it on here on this podcast tonight. So let's dive a little bit into how some of the Auburn players did tonight. This is the second game back for Isaac Okoro after the injury, got some significant minutes more than he was supposed to against Ole Miss and played what would be his normal amount of minutes during this game uh, tonight. So, Drew, your impressions of not only the stats for Isaac Okoro tonight, but just how did he look? Any concerns that you saw coming off that injury? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, he looked okay. Uh, he didn't do really what you'd want him to do as far as consistently taking it down low or driving the ba- driving the ball. I mean, he finished one of six on the night, and his one shot was a three-point shot. That's not your standard Isaac Okoro. He did get to the line and made some free throws, but I, I think he's still working himself back into his aggressiveness. And I also think, uh, and people may think I'm dumb, but I, <laughs> I think Bruce is also telling him, like, develop your your game for the NBA. Right. Like, go ahead. Like, I, I think everyone sees the writing on the wall and shouldn't be mad about it at all that Isaac is probably going to leave. But I, I think Bruce is telling him, you know what, like, yeah, this is your game. Everyone knows you can drive. Everyone knows you can get to the basket. You play hard-nosed defense. I, I think he's giving him a green light. I, I don't think he's out there saying, shoot every jump shot you see. But I do think he's giving him more of a green light to stretch his game out a little bit. And I'm perfectly fine with it. Like, yeah. I, I'm not under the the delusion that we're winning a national championship this year. <laughs> uh, this team can make a run, but this team can also get knocked out in the first round. Like I said, I think we win the SEC tournament, but I also think this team very much has the potential to go home in the very first day of the of the SEC tournament that they you're, play. You're treading dangerous waters, sir. You're going to set Auburn Twitter ablaze with those type of statements. Uh, I mean, but that, that's just the team it is. But if the team plays to what we saw tonight, yeah, obviously they can go and do wonderful things. But I, 
I think Isaac is one working his way back in, but also I think Bruce is kind of letting him stretch it out a little bit more too. Yeah. And I'm fine with that too. Like you said, I just, my thing for Isaac Okoro is, is he's been such an unselfish player and has been such a model of defense. I think he's earned it. I think he's earned to see what he can do in some different areas and kind of experiment a little bit. And I, and I think that also forces the opposing team to have to counter for that because he's already such a potential threat in the areas that he's so strong at driving to the basket and defense. You know, you've, You've really got to, and you saw that with Kentucky tonight, they were so worried about Isaac Okoro taking over that they left a few people open sometimes. D'Angelo Purifoy gets the game off started right there with three straight three-pointers. And, you know, while I, I would think he his game tonight obviously kind of petered off as time went on, you, you got to appreciate a guy coming down in a hostile environment with the marquee team of the SEC and just saying, forget this, we're not going to start off with this you know, typical lackadaisical starts we normally have here. We're going to get this thing kicked off right. And so I was very happy to see Dangel knock down those three-pointers. Yeah, but let's go back to your statement. What was what was Kentucky doing with Isaac Okoro? What did you say that they were doing? Fronting him. They're fronting him, and he was attempting to drive the ball, and then what was happening with our other guys? Uh, standing around. They were getting, they were open, right? Because yeah. they were dropping another guy in. Right, yep. It's the same thing Tessator harped on, the same thing I've harped on for weeks. Like when Auburn drives the ball, they have the kickouts to knock down threes. You look at the first half and how we attacked, we we wanted the ball at the rim. We wanted to go in. And then we went into a lull after we got ahead and settled for jump shots. As long as Auburn keeps pressing into the paint, the shots are going to be open at the three-point line, and this team can knock them down. Yep. Yeah, they're not as great as they were last year, but they can knock them down. They are dangerous. Purefoy showed it by kicking off the game the way he did with three straight field goals from three. But we get into these stretches of like, oh, we only have to shoot threes. We don't have to move the ball around. We don't have to drive the paint to have the ball open. And that's where this Auburn team implodes. If they would get out of that mentality – I, I think we would be we'd be talking about one a first place team in the SEC, a top ten team in the national polls, and then a potential team that could make a run to the final four again. Yeah, that's just one area where they can you know if they just need to play to the strengths that they have and the things that have proven they're going to work, and they're going to have not have so many stretches of offense that are are, are so mind numbingly frustrating, but. Here, look at this. I, I'm looking at points spread across there. One of the things that frustrated us is uh, everybody contributed tonight. Everybody scores a point that saw minutes. Even Jamal Johnson got himself a three. Now let's not talk about the the air ball they had a few seconds later. But uh, it's nice to see your boy Jamal Johnson getting again small amounts of time, but making an impact. Yeah, he's getting small amounts of time. And is that concerning I, for you at all? You know, I. I I really don't know. Like I I very much think whenever guys get small amounts of time, it translates to their practices probably aren't going well because Bruce tends to reward players as we've seen Jalen Williams come on lately. Uh, I think that is directly due to hard practice. And so I wonder what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not going to sit here and speculate what's going on behind the scenes, but I know he's a good player. Uh, He has steadily dropped in his minutes from – 16 in non-conference play to nine for most of conference play to now he's down to like four to six minutes a game. And I really don't know what's that all about. 
Uh, I think it's probably related to his defense. He tends to be uh, a little slow on reacting on defense, but uh, he did sit out playing basketball for a whole year. So I, I give a little leniency in that, but definitely come SEC tournament time, we're going to be seeing all these guys a lot. I mean, that's how it went last year too. Absolutely. And, you know, with the way fouls are being called right now, if this game is any indication, we're going to need a lot of people ready to play at this point. You know, I'm just going to skip over my boy, Anthony McLemore, because I, yeah, I think, that's uh, be, yeah. yeah, you just, we're just going to blow past that. You know, we're not going to talk about uh, <laughs> 0 for 4 from the three-point arc. So let's talk about the other big man, Austin Wiley tonight. And he had a battle down low with Nick Richards. And that was one of the bigger storylines here. Uh, was not you know we've got Ashton Hagens and Isaac Okoro yes we knew that was going to be the big matchup there but those two down low were battling and when I say battling they were knocking each other out but then sometimes the foul was called sometimes it wasn't what do you think about Austin's play tonight yeah I thought Austin played well uh, other than two times that I wish someone would get a cattle prod after him when he brings that ball low like good <laughs> gracious he just – it doesn't make sense. And poor old Jalen Williams sitting in practice watching Austin bring the ball, though, every freaking time. Did it one time and got stripped, too. Like, you can't be doing that to these poor children out here. Yeah. Like, you're teaching bad habits, Austin. Uh, be more <laughs> responsible. Because Austin's a force right now. He's playing his best basketball in an Auburn uniform that he ever has. And I think he's really going to be the guy we have to ride because – if you look at the landscape of college basketball and even the SEC, who plays with a traditional five man? Not many these days. Nobody. Like Purdue's not in it this year, I don't think. They're the <laughs> only ones who stick with the traditional five guy. Right. And so I'm I'm interested to see. I would love a shot at Florida again because I think Austin's playing better now than he did then. I would love to see that Kelly Blackshear and Austin Wiley matchup. Well, you. Uh, which if you ask, you may get it because that may happen in the SEC tournament. And I hope it does because I think this Auburn team has something to prove against Florida. But, I, you know, I, I think people have underappreciated Austin Wiley so far at Auburn. And I hope at the end of this season and whenever he goes off to do whatever he's going to do next, I hope we're able to look back and really realize the impact that Austin Wiley, one, signing with Auburn made, but two, staying at Auburn all four years and the impact that that was um on this whole program it's not a a direct correlation uh but what when you said that and how people have maybe underappreciated or not not maybe not underappreciated but not realize how big his impact has been i kind of think back to nick marshall in football and how much of an impact he had on that offense and he was a game changer for those first two years with gus malzahn that's kind of what if i can correlate for those football fans that are listening uh tonight what that could kind of maybe mean to them if that makes sense so yeah i agree with a double double tonight 10 points 12 rebounds and then dealing with all the non-calls down there getting smacked around just keep the ball high austin (laughs) just keep it high and you'll be able to do a lot better tonight so anybody else tonight that stuck out to you positively or negatively besides anthony mcamore you're not Mm, talking as often Man, he's rough. I mean, don't, don't do this to me, Drew. Guard guard play was eh again. Like, I, can we say how about this? Samir just needs to go into the paint. Like, why does he not go in the paint more? Does he not want so to good. score? Like, do we do we? Does he not care to score? Because like his most of his misses came from three point range. Yeah, like I just 
get into the paint, get your fouls, like get to the line. Who cares how you get your points? Like if Michael Jordan was scored 49 points from the free throw line every freaking game, no one would have cared. They would have said, man, that guy's amazing because he keeps getting the free throw line. I don't know what the mentality is about it or what's going on, but like he just settles. And if he would stop settling and continue consistently get into the lane and spin and do his thing off balance, shooting, making runners. I don't care if he missed 20 shots a game. I'd rather him like get in there, mix it up, get to the free throw line and play that way. than settle for these step back contested jumpers from the three point line all the time. I just don't think that's his game. And I think he believes it's his game and yeah, guard play, man, that's good. That's going to, that's going to end us or, or make us. But wouldn't you believe it if you're a Samir Daddy and you had the start that you did from the three-point arc? I mean, I would think that I'm Bryce Brown, too, if I could shoot the way he did in non-conference play. I I don't blame him a little bit, but it does frustrate me that he doesn't equalize that with going to the paint. Because you're right. He lulls people to sleep. as he. I've never seen somebody be so fast going into the paint but also so slow and still have success getting that ball up there and even drawing a foul. Like I can't, I think I'm trying to remember which player it was. I don't think it was Richards tonight, but he literally just kind of walked into the paint, did like a spin move to his left to the offhand and just lays it up in there and draws the foul. I mean, that's the perfect example of what makes Samir so deadly down there. And with us lacking in the free throw department, he's one of the few ones that's pretty consistent down there. And we could really, really use him and before we move on to the next game can we just address this drew it's been a sticking point for me forever but my goodness free throws free throws free throws and if i'm gonna gripe on javon mccormick tonight that's where i'm gonna pick on him yeah i mean i i really don't know like <laughs> i i still got like i could talk a whole like special edition podcast on what is going on in the guard play yeah. uh but you just gotta make them like <laughs> It's as simple as that. I mean, I I don't know. Like, I, re- I really don't. I don't know how you just sit and miss free throw after free throw after free throw, but make wild out of nowhere layups all the time. Like, yeah. it just makes no sense on why why they can't go down. Even, even a 70% clip. Like, I'd be content with a 70% clip. I'm willing to but concede 70. <laughs> dude is shooting 59% from free throw on the year. My like. Like, good gracious, that, I get you laughed out of a church league gym. Like, <laughs> like that, I, you just can't do that. It, it's awful. Um, okay, next subject. I, I know this, I, we're at the point now where there's there's nothing more we can say about it except be frustrated. And it, I don't even know why we're frustrated at this point. We should just realize that we go up there, we're going to make one of two. I t- maybe I don't know why we think we we want the whistle. We don't want the whistle because <laughs> we we're want- most it, it's most likely going to be an empty trip. It's it's just what happens at these days. I mean, at best we're we're getting them in foul trouble, and that's and that's I found myself tonight, Drew, several times. I was like, well, at least we got him foul. At least we got that one a foul. At least he's almost at four fouls now. So that's that's what I get excited for, rather than oh, free points. So I'm gonna leave it there. That's enough. Auburn falls to Kentucky in Rupp Arena. The streak continues, but in many ways, this was an encouraging game. So let's talk about one of the last two games of the season coming up. This Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Central Time uh, on the 4th. You can watch it on ESPN2. Auburn welcomes Texas A&M for the first time this season, or sees them, period, for the first time. Uh, Only took us, what, 
30, almost 30 something games to get there. Uh, but the Aggies come to Auburn Arena to take on the Tigers. Now they just lost to LSU in a close. Well, it wasn't a close game. Now that I'm looking at it, 64 to 50. Their signature win on the season, I would say, is Mississippi State. Their worst losses would probably be to UGA and Fairfield. If that's, I don't even know. Oh what yeah, they, is. they were bad, bad this, to begin the season. Wasn't Fairfield in the tournament last year? Uh, sure. I think they were, to be honest with you. I think that's when I looked at that on that loss, and I was like, well, maybe that's not so bad. But they are bad this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, they got losses to Temple, losses to Harvard, losses to Texas, <laughs> who's a trash can this year. They lost to Arkansas. I mean, they've lost to everybody, but. I will have to say Buzz Williams has done a very good job with nothing. Yep. Like to have them eight at eight and be competitive in most of their games and SEC play. Very impressive. Yeah. And they're in the middle of the SEC right now. And when I looked at the rankings or the standings for the SEC, I expected to see them at uh, the second to last position. And lo and behold, they're like it, I think nine or eight or something like that so not great but not the worst and you're not georgia you're not vanderbilt here i thought texas a&m was going to be the worst team in the league this year and yet buzz williams has made not trash out of a trash can i don't i don't know of a good analogy to use there uh but as bad as we're kind of talking about them we obviously don't want to take them lightly this is the first time we're going to see them this season any reason to fear in auburn arena versus the aggies they do some weird stuff. Like they just they play good, decent defense. Like they're just annoying. They're pestering. They don't shoot the ball very well. But I mean, once again, Auburn plays the level of their competition. So this could very much be a dogfight that we don't want at this point in the year. But most likely, you're going to get drug into. Do you think there's going to like if you had to say, is there going to be an emotional letdown after the Kentucky loss in Auburn Arena? I don't believe in emotional letdown, so I'm the wrong person to ask on that one. I like, I don't. It's not that I believe in them. I just I, there's some correlation there. You always ask me about them, so I think you believe in them. <laughs> well, I, I guess I shouldn't ask you how I feel about the uh, the Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny at this point. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, emotional letdowns. I, I think there's something to that. The difference is for me. We're not going on the road. We're going to be in Auburn Arena. It's the last one of the season, the last chance for us to pack out Auburn Arena. You know the students are going to be ready. You know the fans, uh, the general public is going to be ready. Uh, so their last chance to see this team before they hopefully make another run in the postseason. Just to give you a, a couple of players to watch, Josh Nebo, their senior forward, is their leading score at 12 uh, points per game. And Emmanuel Miller, their freshman forward, gets their best rebounding at 6.5 points per game drew any well how about this what does auburn have to do to secure the win against texas a&m uh play tough down low guard the three-point line they uh, their highest shooter shoots a 35 percent clip from three-point like don't let this team get loose on you because if you let if you let the team get loose on you like we have multiple other teams especially georgia and missouri when we took L's, it's because they've gotten loose from three-point line. And I think Auburn needs to come in and do what they've done the past two to three games and ratchet down on defense and make sure that this team goes long stretches of not scoring like Kentucky and Ole Miss both did. And I feel really good about that because Isaac Accor was back and he's the leader on defense. So we'll see if that maintains going forward. And hopefully we'll be getting a final home win in Auburn Arena. 
I'm going to give you a quick women's update before we get out of here tonight. Uh, I am happy to report they do have another win on the season, their first road win at Missouri, 95-82, to right at the end of the season here. Their next game and their final game of the season is going to be at home in Auburn Arena, senior night for the ladies. Uh, afternoon because it's played this Sunday the 1st at 3 p.m. Central Time and you can watch it on the SEC Network Plus. Drew, before we get out of here, let's give our contact information. They can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Drew underscore Hoop, H-O-O-P-0-2. That's all we have for this episode of Inside the Jungle. Until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? <laughs>